How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? CuriosityStream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, give the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com gift. Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to hensonshaving.com holiday. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the first podcast of 2023, and I thought just to change things and to prove how we're progressing with it being a new year, I'd welcome Matt, who's very rarely here, and Dawn, who, if this were real, would probably live here. Hi, Matt. Hi, Dawn. How are you both? Even though we know it's all a pretense... We've got to do it for the listening ears. How are you both? I do wonder if people think me and you do live in a house together sometimes. <laughs> well, that'd be easier. Because I've heard the phrase old is. married couple a few times. You know what, though? If you like it, you should have put a ring on it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> How was your hogmanay? My hogmanay was very quiet because my husband has this nasty cough virus thing. So I watched TV alone in the spare bedroom. <laughs> and I only let him open the door at midnight and that was it. That's what? not a euphemism. No, I no. don't like that. I don't like that as a, as a terminology. <laughs> open the door to the room. It's <laughs> not getting any better at all. <laughs> Why did you shut yourself away in the spare bedroom? With Why didn't you shut your husband away in the spare bedroom and have free reign of the house? I don't understand. I am... Um, oh, that, I was away to say something else, but then I thought, no, that sounds... No, dodgy, still but... innuendo, stop it. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm more easily pleased than he is. Oh, God. I, I, <laughs> I let him have free reign of the living room in the main bedroom so he can play his PlayStation and his PC, whereas I only need a laptop. To be happy, so <laughs> you're not making it any better, Dawn. I'm really <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast, don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly, use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly from the custardtv.com. Um, new year, new things on the site to look forward to. 23 shows I'm looking forward to in the coming year of 2023. There are some returning shows on there, the big hitters like Succession. There's also The Last of Us, this new game adaptation from HBO. Sarah Phelps, the mastermind behind those Agatha Christie adaptations, has got her original drama The Sixth Commandment coming up. Uh, there's a White House Plumbers from HBO with Justin Theroux and uh, Woody Harrelson. There's the new season of Unforgotten with a new companion for um, Sanjeev Bhaskar. Please check it out, see what you th- like the look of, and then you could have play a little game. 
with me on that. You can bookmark the page, and every time something I've recommended is bad, you can just tweet me and say you were wrong to put that on the list. What I did, but I don't we, think it. You, it's often you having those conversations with yourself. Mm. It's things you're looking forward to rather than things Think, that you. Things think I'm will intrigued. Be good. Things I'm intrigued yeah. by. You can look forward to something and then it be rubbish. We'll be discussing Happy Valley. We'll be discussing The Light in the Hall on Channel Four. We'll be doing Stonehouse on ITV, and uh, after a long wait, our flag means death is finally available in the UK, all on the iPlayer on Wednesday and airing weekly on on, uh, Wednesdays on BBC Two. But first, if you want to be part of the podcast, then you're more than welcome. Uh, Go to thecustardtv.com, fill in a form there to join the team, or you can get in touch via Twitter, at LukeCustardTV, at MattTVBytes, at CustardTVPod, or email CustardTVReviews at gmail.com. Don't tell me. Uh, I don't give you enough options to get in touch, there are plenty. Uh, the podcast is out weekly on a Wednesday. There's also a ridiculous amount of previous podcasts to go back and listen to. And on the site, along with the 23 things I'm looking forward to, Amy's done a deep dive into Happy Valley, and we've got Dawn's review of uh, Our Flag Means Death going up by the time you hear the podcast. Meanwhile, Dawn has her own podcast because she can't just be here all the time. What are your plans for that in 2023? Have you reached peak ship yet? You you must be. We haven't. We were uh, scuppered by YouTube who uh, flags our latest episode for inappropriate content. I can so- believe that. Were you talking about the door again? <laughs> uh, we still have to find a way to get around that, figure out what it is that's inappropriate about it. Um, we're planning to try and do it sort of as a season rather than sporadically. We're planning to try and record three or four ones and then release them as a season like about three times a year hopefully very excitedly in january we're going to be in the same room together for the first time in a year so we're going to be recording there and discuss i think we're planning to discuss first kisses not ours obviously but um uh, (laughs) not our own personal ones but uh tv some of the best tv first kisses that we think did anyone else think that's how they like first kisses I, I wanted, yeah. yeah, who's the first Christian you ever met? I don't know, think about it. Where can people find that? Uh, you can find that at the Shipyard UST on uh, Twitter and YouTube and on Spotify and Instagram. You can't find that most recent one on YouTube. No, you moment. can. Because <laughs> Dawn was being smutty, presumably. Goodness. And we're on Instagram now as well, aren't we? Yeah, we are. We're just slowly, I'm just still learning. I'm still learning what the kids do. I've yet to filter myself. I don't quite know what's involved in that. Again, that sounded a bit dodgy. <laughs> We're going to start with the welcome return of Happy Valley. Um, so this is the tremendous final chapter of Sally Wainwright's incredible crime drama, Happy Valley. It has been seven years since we were last in the Calder Valley. In fairness to Sally Wainwright, she did say, I'm going to wait till Reese Connor, the actor who plays uh, Sarah Lancashire's grandson Ryan, is of age to tell the story that I want to tell to finish off Happy Valley. So we've had to wait. But the episode begins with Catherine being called out to a muddy, abandoned area where a human remains have been found. She recognises the man from his his plate in his mouth. She says it's somebody from about seven or eight years ago who's upset the wrong people and was always going to end up in concrete underpants. 
This then flags the attention of Tommy Lee Royce, who has been languishing in prison. He's then questioned about his involvement in this guy's murder, and he's sporting long hair, looking a bit Jesus-esque. He denies all involvement in the murder and is re-arrested again and has to go to court with it. Then we get back to Happy Valley as we know it. Sarah Lancashire playing Catherine Kaywood on the football pitch watching Ryan compete. He's the goalie. He's really sort of wound up by the game and he um, is antagonised by a teacher, Rob Hepworth, played by Mark Stanley, who calls him a little shitstone and sort of winds him up. We then see Rob's home life with his wife, Gemma. There's something not right in the home. He's very aggressive. There's a bit of domestic abuse going on, domestic violence. She's taking a load of pills. He doesn't agree. He rings the police. Catherine goes out. She recognises him instantly, but he has no recollection of ever seeing her. So she winds him up a bit. But when she goes into the home, she sees that things aren't right. Joanna's very uncommunicative their two daughters are somewhat damaged because there's reference that the young daughter won't ever take her coat off and that's been noticed by people in the village so there's a really interesting scary dynamic there rob has Gemma arrested and taken in the back of the car for taking these pills and then we learn that the pills have actually come from a local pharmacist Faisal batty played by amit shah who is sort of in over his head giving pills to people not maliciously, I don't think necessarily, but it's sort of something he started that's got out of control and he's now instrumentally linked with the crime family. Maybe the Knezoviches, that might be me jumping to conclusions, they never outwardly said it, but I think he's sort of been threatened by them to keep the supply going in. Back to Catherine, she's on the verge of retirement, seems very happy, and then the episode ends with the revelation that Ryan has been visiting his dad secretly without uh, Catherine knowing. Tommy Lee Royce has been moved to a nearby prison and somebody within Catherine's trusted circle, a man and a woman, have been taking Ryan secretly to visit his dad even though anybody within that inner circle knows that that's a dangerous and terrible thing to do. Dawn, how quickly were you back in the world of Happy Valley? What did you think? Tell me you loved it. Of course I did. <laughs> I, I wrote very little notes because everything is important. Everything matters and is worth your time every second. You know, we learn a bit, a bit more about the teacher and his wife because we see Faisal at home and we hear his kids speaking to their mum about, oh, that woman down the street was taken away in a police car last night. And the amount of information that comes, which could have been thrown away in something else, and it just shows you Sally being right writing is just so perfect I, I was thinking you know there are so many other similar types of shows and including one that we're talking about today the, the light in the hall and you watch them and you go they're really good and then you just watch happy valley and go no 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 this is it this is what it should be it's just a step above everything else and that's i think largely down to the the writing but obviously the the performing as well i was intrigued with all the different threads, the um, pharmacist, the teacher, obviously the, the body that was discovered. Even at the start, uh, the uh, microwave thrown onto the, the police car, which, by the way, I was in my, in my local paper because that happened in my street. <laughs> so I do live in a Happy Valley area. <laughs> I see had a microwave thrown out of the window. 
but yeah i just thought there was nothing there didn't feel like a gap there is in the sense of they're, they're obviously much more settled characters they feel that things have moved on and they can relax a bit but you don't feel that sometimes when a show starts up again you do feel like the actors and, and and everybody involved is warming up to it you don't feel that at all with happy valley you're back in it full throttle from the second it starts and i can't wait to watch it again and i'm really glad the bbc did not put it all on iplayer at once save me from myself bbc you, you were right i know i don't know what that means that, that, that they wouldn't Sorry, one of my Christmas presents was a ring doorbell, right? So I've got, <laughs> I've got it on my phone. I thought you were going to say it was an ice cream van. No, it was a ring doorbell, right? Which is absolutely fine. I love it. It's great. It means I don't have to move. I can speak to somebody who comes to the door. But we've got it on every mobile phone, even our... The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Border Patrol agents enjoy great pay, outstanding federal benefits, and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. If you are looking for a way to serve something greater than yourself, consider the U.S. Border Patrol. Learn more online at cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. That's cbp.gov slash careers slash USBP. Uh, Amazon devices. The only downside is every time my mum or dad go outside, the damn thing goes off because someone's detected at your front door. I've yet to speak to a real person that isn't already living in the house that has used it yet. But sorry for that. That was what that sort of chiming noise was. I did say originally they do that. They do a lot of things, but they would never put Happy Valley on iPlayer. They would never put Line of Duty on iPlayer. That's because they know people will watch it. I don't. I don't know why they don't take that gamble with a lot of other things. Um, then I was just thinking they never do it with like Death in Paradise or no. They don't do anything that they know will guarantee viewers. I think their sort of names, their established names, they know people will watch them, but they are really trepidatious about new stuff. So they will tend to put all of their new shows on the iPlayer. Which means they they don't become names, which is annoying to me. And we've had that argument time and time again about... You know, the tourists, which debuted exactly the same place as Happy Valley last year, should have been a more discussed show and wasn't because people were watching it sporadically. But yes, I was right, and I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it rarely happens, so I'd like to yes. point out when it does. Yeah, thank you. I'll be honest, I absolutely adored it. I think Sally Wainwright is a genius. I've said it to her face, and I've said it on the podcast many a time. My only downside, and it is a minor niggle, minor, minor niggle, is... I have never liked, and liked's a funny word because he's not a character you're supposed to like, I've never been interested in the Tommy Lee Royce stuff. So the fact that it started with a long interview scene with the brilliant Jason Merrill's interviewing Tommy Lee Royce, I'm just not that interested. I'm like, please get me to Catherine, get me to Ryan, get me to Claire, get me to that brilliant extended family they've created over the years, that sequence around the dining table where they're all taking the mick out of each other and... We learn that um, Neverson's daughter Anne is now together with Catherine's son, Daniel. That's all brilliant. I love the little family that Sally's been able to create within the show. But the actual Tommy Lee Royce stuff, I was kind of like, I don't want that. I don't like that. It just It's not my favourite aspect of the show, even though he's an important character who will loom large throughout, I'm sure. 
I can't say anything other than it was entirely brilliant. Just Sarah Lancashire, when you think the only other performance we saw of her last year was Julia on HBO, and it's just completely different people, and that is the calibre of an actress. But I can't say anything anything other than I absolutely adored it. I think Molly Winnard is brilliant. I felt immediately for her. You could feel the atmosphere in that living room, that he was a really dangerous figure. I'm really fascinated what's going to happen with them. Sally never writes outright villains, so Amit Shah's Faisal is doing the wrong thing and abusing his position as a pharmacist, but in no way do you, as an audience member, think, oh, he's a terrible person. He's just in over his head, like a lot of the characters were. Steve Pemberton's character in Series 1 and Kevin Doyle's character in Series 2 weren't objectively awful people. They were just people in over their head who started the ball rolling on something they couldn't control and she handles those brilliantly. There's always humanity within her characters. I just love having it back and I will savour the next five hours of it. I just think it is one of the best dramas, British or otherwise, we've ever spoken about on the podcast. Do you want to know what I thought? Or... <laughs> Go on. <laughs> yeah, you sort of stepped all over my point there because I was going to mention about how similar the Faisal character was. To those other two characters. If you had that minor niggle about Tommy Lee Royce, which I didn't, that was my only minor niggle was that it certainly very similar to the Kevin Doyle character last time I found Faisal. These men who think they're sort of ahead of the curve and then quickly find themselves in deep water seems to be quite a trope of Happy Valley. Not a criticism, more of a an observation, perhaps. And I have got that trust in Sally Wainwright that um the next time we see this character in the plot will go along, but I'm sure it will be different. It's just obviously it's the first episode and we need to establish everyone quite quickly. And there was a colourful cast of characters as as ever. I didn't mind the Tommy Lee Roy stuff because it was his only appearance in the episode. And there was that sort of six month buffer between that interview and then everything else. I think we, the next thing we saw was the football game, wasn't it, after that? He sort of reminded me of why people were so gripped by him when Happy Valley started, because he wasn't a name then, was he, particularly? No. And I think he grabbed people, and I think he, uh, with the, I think maybe sort of Charlie Manson is more the uh, the effect they might be going for. Uh, <coughs> I thought he, I thought he did well in that in that interview scene. I think it was a good reminder of Tommy Lee Royce and then we sort of park him for the rest of the episode and he is just this figure that looms large. I was back in it, that first interaction between Catherine and the uh, Vincent Reagan character, the boss, and then being quite dismissive of her and then her just firing back saying, I know this person, and then she walks off and calls them twats. This is Happy Valley, this is what the show's about. Sarah Lancashire, as you said, completely brilliant. I think the scene that typifies it for me is that football match where you can just see that look in her face when she knows that the teacher has said something to Ryan that he won't tell her, but she can see that it's affected him. And you can see all of that is conveyed in a single look and it takes an actress of such a calibre. You know, Sarah Lancashire is just at the top of her game. I love the recall of her going out to the teacher's house and speaking mm. to his wife, that scene with Sarah Lancashire and Siobhan Finner. And I love the cliffhanger that we have to wait to see who the the man and the woman are. 
fantastic. Can't wait for the second episode. And as Dawn said, you know, if it was available on iPlayer, I think a lot of people would be binging it and it wouldn't have that conversation like, you know, you said, Luke. So it's great to have it back. Bravo. I know this is something nobody can really answer, not even a a professor of television, which I don't proclaim to be, but some people have called me that. Somebody did, I'm sure. I wouldn't have just made that up. But... (laughs) 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 Based upon what Dawn was saying, I was just thinking... What makes a show in the calibre of the best? What is it about? What is it that a show has to have to be in that category? I still can't work it out. Is it the writing? Is it a performance? Is it the story? Is it just you connect to the world? Because we're going to be talking about another show which touches on similar themes that, spoiler alert, I had little to no interest in. And yet this just does everything so well and and it is one of the best BBC dramas we've had in a long time. Like I was putting together our best of the year thing and I was thinking, a lot of these shows are coming up the same. What is it about them that makes them the best? And it can't just be you like them more than other things because Dawn said, you know, she was watching it going, this is how you do it. I just don't know what pushes something to become the best. I'm fascinated by it. It's everything. It's when everything comes together to be perfect at the same time. We've all seen stuff where the actors are so much better than the material or, you know, the writing is good, but it hasn't had the production values that it should have had and you can tell it's rushed or whatever. And I think Happy Valley, the writing is as good as writing can get, but then so is the acting. And I think it's also something undefinable. Nobody can make happen, which is the magic of a cast together. You know, they do have chemistry readings and whatnot, but there is something that just happens on screen that makes them completely believable as family or colleagues or, you know, enemies, whatever. Something that just happens in the ether (laughs) that we can't put your finger on. And if you capture it, you need to hone in on that and make the most of it. And I think Sally Wainwright knows exactly how to do that. And I also think it's the minutiae, like like the fact that when uh, Catherine goes to the teacher's house and there's stuff like, you know, the, the lock on the fridge, that is something that might not have even crossed the mind in another drama series to do that. They would have focused entirely on the action we saw, but there was there's so many details in it which back up the writing, you know, the attention that they pay to every part to make this world real and natural to us is, I think, what makes it so good. It's a skill to keep all those plates spinning at the same time. And I think, you know, Sally Wainwright has got that experience and this does seem quite a personal project to her as well. You know, a lot of the dramas we watch are people getting commissioned perhaps to write something rather than it be extremely personal to them and I think she has got that kudos within the industry that you need to build up over time and I think she you know she has earned that and then can write stuff now like Happy Valley. It's a remarkable achievement you know I've loved her since all those years ago there's my catchphrase again sorry (laughs) Uh, Ding! ding, uh, You know, her her first series on ITV was at home with the Braithwaite and I absolutely adore that still. The Last Tango in Halifax is still one of the best family dramas you'll ever see and this just 
this just typifies what she does so well that she can go to the darkest of places and my god she's gone there in both series happy valley and i do worry you know not surviving perhaps this series that's a possibility it just shows you what a talent she is what a skill she has of choosing these actors and putting her faith in people that have worked together before. Siobhan Finneran and Sarah Lancashire, you can see in multiple things and they just bounce off each other so well, but they're never better than here. I mean, we could have a whole podcast on the yoga conversation, which is just genius and just perfectly written. You're laughing at one minute and tense the next, just... The or the thing. scene with the with where Joyce. she's talking about it leaving do with Joyce. Yeah. You're popular in certain yeah, circles. <laughs> just brilliant, yeah. It's a masterclass. I don't think you could turn this on for anybody and they go, not really interested in where this goes next. Happy Valley, Sunday nights, 9 o'clock, nowhere else, but you can re-watch the previous two uh, on the iPlayer right now. Where are we going next, Matt? Uh, we're going to Stonehouse on ITV. And ITVX, I should say now, because they say that after all their programmes now, don't they? On ITV and ITVX. Because you can watch the entire series now on ITVX. So it tells the story of John Stonehouse, who in 1974 faked his own death on a beach in Miami. After depicting this scene, the drama flashes back to see Stonehouse become a prominent figure in Harold Wilson's government, first Minister of Aviation and later as Postmaster General. However, after a trip to Prague and a sort of liaison that is filmed, he finds himself working as a spy for the Czechs, a job for which he is paid quite well. As he finds himself in possession of more money, he decides to splash out on a new car, a new house for his family. His wife is played by Keely Hawes. Stonehouse is played by Matthew McFadden, I believe he pronounced his surname. His success, though, soon crumbles after Labour loses an election. He loses his position in government the Czech spymaster also sort of despairs of him because all the intelligence that he brings back is very dull or is late. Uh, faced with accusations of fraud, Stonehouse is inspired by the film The Day of the Jackal to use the death of a constituent to his advantage. And once faking his death, he travels back to the UK under an assumed name after seemingly drowning. However, given his hapless nature, how long will it be until Stonehouse's plan is rumbled? Any any strong views on this one? My first thought was, this should be, and perhaps could have been, the third series of a very English scandal. Just to put uh, credence to your theory, uh, the writer of this, John Preston, wrote the non-fiction book on which Russell T Davis adapted for a very English scandal. So, yeah, I'm right. Thank you. Yeah, that should be. again. Um, Matthew, wow, can I do a hat trick? We'll see. Um, Matthew McFaddy and Keely Hawes... Strangely unbelievable as a married couple, even though they are, I thought. I just, I didn't get the chemistry there, really. I found this quite dull. I think I'm just at the point where these stranger-than-fiction true stories are just sort of overwhelming me and they're not sticking out. I felt a lot of the beats were quite predictable because obviously it was all leading to him faking his death in Miami and you know that, so you're just waiting for it. Luke special, Luke special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna actually. That's reminded me. I'm gonna make a note this year of every show that does it, and that's the first one on the list. That means a show that starts at an important point and then flashes back uh, to tell you how they got there. 
But yeah, I, I really found it hard to stay focused on it. I wasn't that invested. There's a secretary who he sort of forms a bond with who has a speech impediment, and I'm sure that was true to life to the character that she's playing, but I found her incredibly annoying. You know, it's like blooming Elle McFudd. I thought, my God, that's who she's doing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm staying staying relevant to the kids. I didn't connect with it, and I I had planned on, you know, this was on our Sky Planner. It was going to record tonight, the first one airs, I believe. Planned to record them all based on the fact that I was interested in the story and the cast is good, but in execution I was a little bit bored, I'll be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things... You're right about Keely Hawes, because she's barely got anything to do, certainly in this first episode, as it goes on. And, you know, the second episode, obviously, he is in the background having faked his own death. Maybe she will have more to do. But here, as you say, they're very disparate. I think, for me, what it's missing is like a a proxy, almost. Obviously, there are allusions to the canoe man drama you know you could make the link there that was one of itv's most popular last year again sort of a fake death but in that obviously you have monica dolan's character as the lead and in on it and her torn on what to do really on how to proceed but here it was all stonehouse you know there was very few other characters you had a bit with the wife you had as luke mentioned the assistant with the speech impediment we had kevin mcnally who now has an r in the middle of his name for some reason as wilson who i thought was very good i liked the czech spy master and their interactions getting more and more frustrated i mean these these smaller characters were like the uh the the bank manager as well i quite liked as well you know mm. those small interactions this is a character now that mcfadden can play in his sleep you know he's obviously succession was a, a bit of a turning point in his career we saw him in in quiz as well but you were never sort of compelled by this sort of oafish figure who sort of believed his own hype it's not someone you can really sort of warm to really is it you need someone else there you need someone who is almost with you laughing at him going isn't this guy an idiot and you didn't have that you just had him on screen the score really wound me up this sort of catch me if you can title sequence yeah. and the... reminiscent it's a guy called Saul Bass from the 60s did uh, right. sequences like that and it, you know they have been aped over the years so it's kind of tonally I found it a bit confusing and the score really wound me up it's, it's, it never slows down it's never not there yeah I, I, I agree I think what you said about um, Matthew McFadden finding success in succession is that the character is a bit like his succession character but less interesting <laughs> you know it just makes you go oh yeah his character in in succession is the same grasping for power and money and, but a bit discover this is daniella hi it's jennifer coolidge i just want to thank you for making me feel so special i earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries that's great but with discover cashback debit we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases anything else i can help you with do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cashback. It pays to discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Idiotic and dad dancing equivalent of behavior dancing. Uh, just like cringy and, and awkward. And this is the similar thing. And I think also a problem is, of course, is the timing of it with how we as a nation are feeling about politics and politicians doing things they shouldn't and I'm a celebrity, Matt Hancock and things, watching a politician be a spy and taking money, you know, hand over fist for dodgy dealings just isn't something that most people are going to be going, ha, 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 isn't that funny at the moment? But I agree, I, that was the only aspect of it I really enjoyed was the, the fact that he was such a bad spy and his, his check contact just keeps sighing and saying oh no that's not interesting you know we need something more and then eventually when he gets to the point that they don't even answer his when he comes to the door and they don't answer him i don't think there's anything wrong in the performance i think matthew McFad, he is embodying it well i agree i don't think there's enough to the story and i was surprised that we got to the point we did in the first episode i thought it would take longer to get to the point where he fakes his own death um, and it made me kind of go, so what's the other two episodes and then? I, is that about him being captured and the police investigation? It is quite possible that I had mentally checked out, but I didn't understand the jeopardy. I didn't really quite understand how we got from there to there. I didn't really quite understand why he felt this need all of a sudden to fit. I know he was in over his head. They never really conveyed the danger that well, or at least I didn't feel so. How I read it was that he had this sense of his own self-worth. It was starting to crumble around on him, and rather than do the honourable thing, the sort of character he was, he thought, oh, I'll just take the easy way out, you know, having been influenced by watching this film. He seems to be a guy who did things very much on a whim. I think that was mm. the the, the yeah. tale of it, yeah. really. And maybe, as I say, there's two episodes left. They may explain that. I think we're all in agreement that it's certainly very underwhelming from what, what yeah. we saw. Mm. I won't seek out the other two. There wasn't enough depth in there for me. Should we go into the light in the hall? We can. So this is a Welsh drama, and I believe it was on S4C last year, Luke. Is that correct? That is. And the unique thing about it was... Do you know? That it was all in Welsh? They shot it all in Welsh and then all in English. Didn't they do that with Keeping Faith as well? I don't know, Dawn. I thought it was unique. I don't feel (laughs) unique anymore. I made a big speech and now I don't know. They made a point of saying that in the press release, but yeah, you're right, Dawn. I'll I'll, I'll turn off the mic and just think about what I'm doing with my life. (laughs) Joe Scanlon uh, is playing Sharon Roberts. Uh, 18 years earlier, she lost... Um, her 15-year-old daughter, Ella. At the time, it was an outsider by the name of Joe Thomas, who's played by Ewan Rian, who was arrested and charged with the murder. However, Joe neither revealed the motive or how he disposed of the body. As he may be up for parole, Sharon is still grieving for her daughter. As the title suggests, she is still leaving the light on in the hall that was on the 
the night of the disappearance. Oh my god, I genuinely didn't get that. I genuinely didn't, even though they mentioned it, I genuinely didn't get But I'm here, just so you know, I'm here. Sharon is clinging onto the past to also cause tension with her other daughter, Greta, who's about to get married. Uh, when Jerry's approved for release, journalist Kat, who is played by Alexandra Roach, who grew up with Ella, they were very close, uh, decides to write Ella's story, even though she has prior trepidation. She's also going to return to her hometown for the first time in what we're told is is a long time and what sort of welcome she'll receive. And the end of the first episode reveals that Sharon knows where Joe is staying. And the question is, what lengths will she go to to find the truth? I did the dawn. I watched the whole thing. Oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I have to say, as I say, when I watched Happy Valley, it did make me go, oh, no, yeah, this is so much better. I, I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. It is a, a perfectly good drama, but when compared to Happy Valley, yes, it appealed. It was a really uh, interesting in that something I don't think has is, is been explored a lot in these kinds of dramas, which was about how we rewrite our own memories to favour ourselves for our own sanity or just for comfort. And as we go through this, we see how much that Sharon and Kat have both done that to their past and rewritten how they behaved and, and how they contributed to things and how that all came together in, in the death of Ella. There was a lot of red herrings. I thought I knew where it was going. I thought I knew who the culprit was and I didn't. The cast is brilliant. I, I think that Joe is really good. Obviously, he's known for Game of Thrones, um, you know, and being evil in, in Game of Thrones. But I think he, he's he's very good in this. He believes himself to be evil, and everybody always assumed he was because he's the outsider and his dad's a bit dodgy. And I did enjoy it. I, as I say, I watched the whole thing, thing, so I know the ending, and I do feel it is a satisfying art. Everything's explained, nothing's left hanging, and there. Are, I like that there's so many threads of people and how the death of a young person affects everyone. And and I think that's something else that is often explored is that like her friends and, and you know, the the community, the wider community. But I like that we see how it affects other people. Yeah, I thought it was really good. I didn't I didn't think it was the best thing I've ever seen, but I think it's enjoyable. Matt, go on. I think you're this... you're gonna make a similar point to me, so I'm gonna let you make it. There's some elements of this I quite like. I don't know what point you you, you think I'm going to make because I don't. You're know about to make it. Keep going. You're going to make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first I would say that I don't know if you picked up on the right of this, Luke. But this is Regina Moriarty who wrote Murder by My Boyfriend. I did look her up. Yes, I did. All, all those years ago. Oh, don't <laughs> do it. Don't do that. <laughs> I would echo Dawn's sentiments on the uh, Ewan Rian character of Joe. You expect him to be almost like the Tommy Lee Royce a little bit, don't you? Because how good he was as Ramsay Bolton in Game of Thrones, you know, the moustache twirling villain, this despicable, that he is going to be something similar. But this is someone who, you know, is seen as, as uh, Kat says, you know, he was a weirdo. He lived on his own. He lived in a caravan. Of course it was him. You know, as I said, they never found the body. You see these flashbacks with him and his sister when he's, his sister's cutting his hair. I really like that scene where he goes to visit his mum when he's come out of prison in the care home. 
the scene on the train where he's trying to explain to the ticket inspector that he's got this um, pass, he's just come out of prison. You know, all these little things in that performance I really liked. Alexander Roach, I would say, and I don't know if this is what Luke was going to say, is, is exposition machine in this first episode. But somebody needs to be, I suppose. And you've got her voiceover saying, this is what happened. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't do it. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's ding, awful. Ding, ding. It's cliched uh, and I, crap. Can I just say it doesn't happen again in the so entire why, season? So why do and it? I thought, so exactly. Weird. That's why I thought, why was I didn't really remember halfway through? Hang on. What was that narration about that's never come up again? <laughs> you know, in this, she had to basically explain to... I believe it was Doc Brown, wasn't it? I know, that's another thing. I thought, I don't like this, I don't like this. And then Ben Bailey Smith turned up and I was like, I really don't like this. What have you got against Ben Bailey? I think he's awful. Has he ever done anything (laughs) worth watching, ever? That is a very niche person to have, like, a... But, I mean, has he ever done anything? Like, he just turns up in these banal, empty shows. And I'm like... Well, I think it was very much a functional role, wasn't it? It was very much... Do you believe them as editor and writer? They had no chemistry. They're just awful together. They were also meant to be in a relationship. I know. Let me finish. I haven't finished yet. I'm quite annoyed. Uh, (laughs) I noticed. And as you said, like, I mean, Joe Scanlon, what you're saying about those memories actually now, the the stuff with uh, using especially for you, which was quite... (laughs) Yeah. Annoying, An really annoying, of... really annoying. I did annoying. find that annoying. I quite liked it that. Was. And then you... No, it was because it just happens you... to play on Doesn't the radio. Play? Just happens Doesn't to play on the radio. When was the last time you heard that on the radio? And it came out in 1988, and she went missing. How long ago? I can't even remember. Would well, be she... like 2004. Yeah, so she'd have like McFly, or you know, oh, she. Would... I just hate. Ah, but that's the point. No, says, her sister said she hated that song. There's subtle, the subtleties of it, Luke, you obviously missed out on, but... I was too busy shaking my fist. To and I like, I like the relationship she had with, you know, the guy at work, you know, the about sushi, you know, the little intimacies all, it all seem to sort of stem around food. I mean, whether I'll, I'll watch this again, I'm not sure. I think it's, it's better than the sort of the standard, what we would call the holiday novel. There's more going on there. I enjoyed the performances from Joe Scanlon, especially from you and Rian, and now Luke will tell us all the things that annoyed him. First of all, it's not a great week for hairdressers in prison, is it? Do they not ever get haircuts? You've got <laughs> Tommy Lee Royce and you and Rian's character here, both sporting really scary, I'm a dangerous man because I've got long hair vibes. I don't quite know why they do a big thing about him having long hair and then cutting it when he comes out. The positive, and I will emphasise that that has no S on the end, I really, really liked the young girl playing uh, Joe Scanlon's living daughter, the one who is living in the shadow Greta. of Greta, who is living living in the sh- OK, I didn't need it from both of you. <laughs> <laughs> the one that is sort of living in the, in the shadow of her deceased or missing sister and is trying to move on with her life trying to get her mum excited about her wedding i could empathize with that and that felt real the rest of it was just so dry it just felt devoid of any depth you know we spoke about happy valley and this this felt like they just it was just written it didn't feel at all grounded in reality joe scanlon you know i love her i will praise her but she's not a very convincing welsh person i didn't buy her in the accident and I don't buy her here. 
I mean, this is something my mum will probably watch, but as far as something with any depth or or feeling or any thought well, I think, going I think into we've it, both it, told you we thought it had depth. Well, you're wrong. But, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's comic timing. I just found it a slog. So much so that it didn't occur to me until the very end that at some point I will get a no offence reunion. But I didn't even care enough to watch those two together again. It never even occurred to me, even though I was watching them together in various points, Joanna Scanlon will eventually come across Alexander Roach and they'll have a lot of scenes together, I'm sure. Uh, also found it just really cliched, the fact that we can't tell you where he's gone and then the final scene in the first ep- episode is obviously her lingering outside his, his house or his apartment. I just felt like I'd seen it a million times before in various different guises. Just no interest What's in it What's a lot of TV there, Luke? So. I have, from all those years ago and from recent times. I just, yeah, there's just nothing in it that, I, that I'll remember, nothing in it that I can't And you hate about. the Welsh as well. I'm not a big fan of the Welsh, I'll say it now. <laughs> I'm just interested that you felt compelled to go on, Dawn. Why did you do that as opposed to reading the ending as, is one of the other things that I don't approve of that you sometimes do? <laughs> I don't know. I, I was interested in in the character. I, I, I when when you said you know your mum might like it. I do, without being sexist. Do you think it's maybe more of a female role because it's so much about female relationships, about the mother and daughter, including the living one, and um, Kat as her you know, her childhood friend, her and the other girl Carol. There were so many things that I thought, oh, is it going to go this way? Is it going to go this way? Is it going to go? This? Is it going to be about this and this? And I wanted to know the end, but I did, I did just, maybe I just, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, you, maybe you're iller than you realise. Do you yeah. think, Luke, if Happy Valley hadn't been on this week, would you no, have thought no, about no, because it? No, because it was so clichéd. Like, it's a journalist going back to her old community to re-interview this guy who's got a bit of mystique around him. But why did she then have to be, like, friends with... The, it's just so many contrivances that you don't need. I think because it's a small town, isn't it? I think, you know, if you're of a similar age in a small town like that, you are going to sort of link up with other (laughs) young girls of a similar age. I think that's that's part of it, is that sort of small town aspect. I just think it's like a lazy thing. You know, she could have heard of this girl, but it's just... I just don't know. And I also thought Alexander Roach gives a really underwhelming, unbelievable performance. I didn't want to spend any time with her. I don't think journalists on screen are quite dull, and she was quite dull herself, I thought. It's her first series as well, this writer. She's done some shorts, she's done some one off, as we mentioned, Murdered by My Boyfriend, but this looks to be her first full series. Better than next time. (laughs) Bit harsh. That's on, um, what day is it on, Matt? I don't Wednesday. remember. Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday? Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, or as you tell me, all on all four after the first episode. Yeah. Called The Light in the Hall, and I only just understood the reference. <laughs> Finally this week, we head over to Dawn for a show that uncharacteristically for Dawn, she's already seen all of. <laughs> it's a show about piracy. I made that joke before, but I'll make I know. It again. We'll make it again. It feels more relevant here. To talk us through our flag means death, which has taken an age to get to iPlayer or to get to the UK at all, it's Don Glenn. Uh, it is a HBO Max 
uh, show, which has managed to beat the odds and get a second series. So, hurrah. It hasn't been made um, yet, though, has it? So, let's just hold the horses. They've, no, they've wrapped on it. So. Oh, thank God. <laughs> We're all good unless something goes horribly wrong in the next couple of months. It's created and written by David Jenkins and stars Taiki Waititi, never pronounce his name right, and Reese Darby, who is the, an actor who probably best for Flight of the Concord in uh, the UK. All, them ad- all those adverts that keep popping up when you're trying to watch <laughs> yes. YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, set in 1717, it is a pirate comedy telling the true story of the gentleman pirate Steed Bonnet, who is an aristocrat who gives up everything and decides to go to sea. He buys a ship called the Revenge. He gets together a crew of misfits and he goes to sail the sea and find his fortune or his something, his destiny anyway. And he's not very good at it, funnily enough. And he is a um, a, a modern style of captain who wants to have a, a cooperative management style with his crew and they don't appreciate that. They are threatening uh, mutiny when conveniently they uh, encounter the English Navy and a boat captained by uh, Nigel Badminton who happens to have gone to school with Steed Bonnet and was his uh, childhood bully. He comes aboard, Steed and the crew pretend they are all uh, lords very badly. Uh, to disguise the fact they're actually pirates. Uh, it all goes horribly wrong, and uh, Nigel Badminton ends up dead. And although it is an accident, they decide to make it seem as though Steed had done the deed himself and earn the respect of his crew, which works, and they continue on their uh, merry way. The key to the series, which doesn't happen in the first episode, is that they encounter uh, Blackbeard, who is a far more successful pirate than Bonnet is, played by Taiki Taiki Waititi. Taika Waititi. Taika Waititi. Waititi, thank you. Yeah, I've written it down wrong, which probably didn't help. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Blackbeard is this uh, very rock star, cool pirate, and when he encounters uh, Steed Bonnet, he's absolutely amazed at this gentleman pirate and his bizarre ways and they form a friendship and um, more it leads to uh, romance which is perhaps surprising Brokeback broke back Pirate is what you're talking about Yes, I think. it is possibly the gayest pirate uh, show there ever is So, and it's got a lot of uh, names you would recognise including Ewan Bremner Tristan Nairn from another one from Game of Thrones uh, Gus Khan and the fabulous uh, Samson Keel from uh, Bloods what did you think? I really enjoyed this. Now, annoyingly, because I was ill and watching Slow Horses, I only had time for one. Reese Darby is one of those performers where, yes, you could make the argument that he always plays a similar sort of character, but I am always on his side. He's just so affable, so warm, so sweet, genuine and sort of naive that I immediately warmed to him whatever he's doing, whatever he's playing even though we didn't get to meet Tycho in this first episode of Blackbeard I was surprised by the amount of depth it had the fact that it went back to his childhood and you saw what a miserable person he was and you saw how he didn't quite fit in in his family life and that surprised me and is what 
on paper is supposed to be a silly madcap pirate comedy and it could easily sustain itself as that has as you're saying these hidden depths these characters that are quite broken and I'm really interested in so yeah I, it was a really easy enjoyable half hour that I will look forward to going back to and I'm glad that we finally have it to watch properly and not having to go down nefarious rabbit holes I am really interested in this really enjoyed it and I think it's all down to the performances, the writing. Yeah, it all felt felt fully formed. And not enough sitcoms do feel that when you watch just the first one. Great ensemble, I think, as well. Yeah. I think, as you mentioned, all of these characters feel different. They've all got slightly different allegiances to uh, the captain. And I, I thought Samson Ko was a standout He's for great. me. He's the most sensible, I would say, and certainly the one who, I don't know if he becomes more of a confidant as it goes on, but the one who sort of realises this guy doesn't know what he's doing, he's going to get killed, but actually we're, we've got a good thing here at the moment, let's not kill him just now. I mean, it does... <laughs> <laughs> what was the thing where there was like the wind chimes and people kept bumping into them all the time? There was some... Yeah, what was that? I can't That's what that. it feels like. I remember that, yeah. You know, someone's coming into the room, you've got wind chimes <laughs> over the door and they keep bumping their head on. <laughs> I do love that image. That's what it is. It's not a doorbell, it's that. I love that. I, I mean, the two things, and these are weird. I, I, the first one's not too weird, but it, in Stardust, the stuff with Robert De Niro on the pirate ship, and they find out he's quite effeminate, but they sort of warm to him. And also Paddington 2, when, <laughs> where he goes to the prison and like you've got like the Brendan Gleeson and Noah Taylor and Tom Davis and they yeah. sort of all get reformed through his character. And I think what I would say is there wasn't any sort of really sort of laugh out loud moments. But as Luke said, it was really sort of sweet natured, you know, his sort of thing is to try and improve their characters i did like him but, reading pinocchio to them yeah and peter pa- we'll never find out what happened to peter pan yeah because he can't do the voices like the flag making and things you know that that'll work for me you know as you said as well we get a lot of backstory the scene where he's sort of sitting very distant from his mm. wife and children what's your favorite pig what's your <laughs> yeah <laughs> like luke i will be watching more I will be intrigued to see how the dynamic changes when Taika, Taika Waititi Don't use comes, that. In, comes into it. We should say that this is all available on iPlayer. It is. Dawn, does the relationship at the centre, does it feel earned? Does it happen all too quickly or...? No, not at all. It's very believable. The, the words I used in my article. <laughs> because it's two middle-aged men who have no idea really what's going on inside them so it's not overt and it's not in your face in that sense it's like they're going what's happening what's this Mm -hmm. which makes it all the better as as a viewer to watch it and it takes you along with it you're discovering it at the same time as they are we feel it uncover exactly the same pace as they do and that is very slow and it is connected to both of their backstories we get both their backstories in a lot more detail and you know there is so much heart to it for not just them but other characters as well uh, Jim in disguise person uh, we discover their past and, and why they're in disguise but also much more about them as a person you know even the the side characters get that history 
And I think, as you say, you know, you just think it's going to be a silly pirate show and it does seem to be a, a bit, but then there's all this undercurrent, to use a seafaring term, that just takes you along with it and gives it so much depth and makes it, I feel like I'm its mum. And I'm like, yes, everybody should love it. <laughs> I'm proud of it. No, that is fine to feel like that. It's great to feel like that. Well, I'm just glad we got it because there's so many things yeah. that uh, we don't get. I believe it's come in a sort of a package with Search Party, which is another HBO Max show that is currently an iPlayer that people have talked to me about and say it's worth your time. So we're not reviewing that on the podcast, but uh, that's something else you might want to check out if you are so inclined. Good one this week, apart from the shows I didn't like. Thank you so much. <laughs> And Luke will be back in March. March, I think. yeah, early March. Um, I don't know after what for. You've hibernated for a couple. Of yeah, months. after oh, you've no. dismantled your ring doorbell. I know. I like it. You never know when it's gonna go off. It's very and, phantom season. It, right, that is it. Podcast done. First one of the new year. Our flag means death. Happy Valley. Both worth your time. And there's other shows on as well. Matt, what's next week? Uh, the Rig on Amazon Prime. Dawn will be joining me for because it will be aggressively Scottish. Oh, not again. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, Welcome to Chippendale on Disney+. Oh, Plus. that's Dawn. You're lighting the bedroom door for that one, Dawn, I tell you. <laughs> I don't even know what that means at this point, but it sounded <laughs> wrong. Bye! <laughs> Check out the website thecastertv.com. Check out the Shipyard UST on all your all your apps and things. And Dawn and Matt will be back next week. I won't, but I'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. I think that it's programs like this that help people realise that they're not alone. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. <laughs>